KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 through the fan right now. Former NFL All-Pro Defensive Rookie of the Year, the man who could have been a Dallas Cowboy. And I know we're going to dive into that. Sean Merriman, how are you today? I'm doing well, my man. How you doing? I'm doing good. You'll have to forgive me for cutting off the beginning of this story about 30 seconds ago because I was like, this sounds like the amazing story and we're at the beginning i want to hear it for the first time on air so please forgive me for that i did not mean to be rude i, I was uh, working at the cowboys website as an intern whenever that draft happened and i was just kind of curious like did you ever meet with bill parcells and kind of get an idea of what was going on there I, I did i did um you know when i came out for the pre-draft visit you know i think they brought out the top 15 to 20 guys that they were looking at mm -hmm. and um we were all down in the locker room looking at the facilities. <clears throat> by, by, by the way, my first time seeing Lurie Island in person. I walk, he walked in the gym, had his cut-off chains and every <laughs> gold teeth, and did like you know four or five, ten times and walked out. <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah, I'm not ready to see that guy yet. But, uh, so anyway, I, I, someone comes down and, and grabbed me from the locker room. They said, hey, um, you know, Mr. Jones and Bill Parcells want to see you. And I said, okay, well, I'm, the first thing I'm thinking, okay, what the hell did I do? You know, it's 20, it's twenty guys down here. Why did they call yeah, why me? me? Why me? Like, like, I'm trying to think back. I said, like, "Um, did I? No, no, I was I was there, so I didn't do anything then." Uh, so I went upstairs, and you know, uh, Jerry Jones was um was was sitting on a on the seat. Bill Parcells was at the desk, and they they told me they said, "Look, if, we, if you're around the 12th pick, we're going to draft you." Um, and they said, "We don't think you're going to be around the 12th pick, but if you are, I mean, 11th pick. I'm sorry, yeah, 11th pick. yeah, yeah." Um, we're going to draft you. And I, and I said, oh, this is, this is great, you know, because half of my family, I'm from Prince George's County, Maryland, and you're either a Cowboys fan or you were a, at the time, Washington Redskins yeah, fan. Uh -huh. it was, there was one or two in my household. There was no one else. And I said, half my family's going to be happy and the other half's going to be pissed off. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so anyway, we're talking, and then Bill Parcells uh, you know, came out and he said, hey, but by the way, when you get here, we're going to work the hell out of you. And I said, okay, I'm not, I don't want to come here. So, you know, <laughs> oh, uh, playing, playing with Big Tuna. Um, but anyway, I thought that um, – I thought for sure that that was going to happen. There was no doubt about that. So I went home, you know, after I finished my visits and everything, and I told my grandmother and told my family and my aunts who are diehard Cowboys fans, I said, I, I'm pretty sure that if I'm around the 11th pick, that I'm going to the Cowboys. And not my family, they went crazy. They went out and had jerseys and custom hats made. Wow. I mean, it was, it was, it was everything. Um, and then the other half of the family didn't talk to me no more. So, uh -huh. <laughs> um, but anyway, they ended up passing and, and then going with DeMarcus, which, you know, they didn't, it's not like they made a mistake, right? They got one of the best uh, pass rushers of all time. But did you watch with your family? Were they all we, like, what the hell? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the truth of the matter is, um, you know, I went to go see the, the then Redskins, now Washington, the commanders. I, I met with them, and I think they had uh, the ninth or tenth pick or something like that. I met with the Lions. Um, Steve Mariucci, I went out and seen them when he was the head coach of the Lions, uh, and I was begging not to go there. Because, <laughs> not because of Detroit, it's just that, you know, Coach, I think Coach Mariucci was on the way out the door. and something. It was just kind of see what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I saw what was going on. I'm like, I don't want to go there, and the coaching staff is going to be different when I get here or whatever. Um, and then, obviously, with uh, uh, the Cowboys with the 11th pick, and the Chargers had told me the same thing. We don't think you're going to be here by the 12th pick, but if you are, we'll take you. We'll take you. Um, so I've heard this from four teams already. So I'm like, okay, I'm going anywhere from five or six to 12, yeah. right? Um, and uh, around the 10th pick, my phone rings. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're calling to tell me. And it's one of my best friends <laughs> calling me and saying, hey, are, are you at the draft? 
I said, dude, this is live. What are you doing calling me? And I was so pissed. I just hung up the phone, right? And um, the Cowboys came up with their pick, and, you know, my, had my, my aunts and cousins back there with their custom-made, you know, 56 jerseys. And up oh, 11th pick, we're going, you know, DeMarcus Ware. And so it was like the air. that You could hear a pin drop in the room, like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, well, look, I know where I'm going now, right? Not even the other half of the family didn't start cheering? <laughs> no. I kind of thought they might. No, no, it was, it, was, it was total silence all the way around. I think that people were just shocked because they thought I was yeah. going to one of the teams before, starting with, I think, the, yeah, I think the uh, uh, Minnesota Vikings even had, you know, a pick. They get one with Troy, Troy Williamson out of yeah. South Carolina. Um, and so I knew I was going with the Chargers no matter what. And um, – it was fortunate because, I, first of all, I've never been to the West Coast. Um, I don't think I've seen palm trees right. you know, in my life other than the TV. Yeah, they so got them there. They, you know, I was, I was fortunate to get drafted out there. I played, you know, with L, I walked in the locker room with LT, Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates, I mean, Lorenzo Neal, yeah. Randall Godfrey, Donnie Edwards. I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old. You yeah. know? I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm in the, in, in, um, on the team with these guys. So it, it, it all worked out. It all worked out. Yeah, the uh, just a quick story. I when one of my first attempts at an interview was Larry Allen. I walked up to him and he was sitting <laughs> on a couch, and I said, "Hey, Larry, can I talk to you for a second? And he said, "Why are you talking to me?" And Leroy, Leroy Glover started laughing. And he was like, "Just talk to me instead." And I was like, "Okay," because I'm not ready for that guy. Right? No, it's, 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 it's <laughs> oh the same my thing. God. I, you know, listen, when somebody go and put up four or five on the bench, you didn't see them warm up. <laughs> I said, this is a, this is a different level of strength yeah. here, you know. Yeah. And I was pretty strong myself, but I, I got to warm up to do that. And he just did it, and then walked out. And I said, well, that is, I've never seen that before. Now, once you finish up with football, it has gone this totally different direction that really fascinates me. Before we get to the MMA stuff, and I know you have thoughts about that, maybe even taking a fight. Is can you tell us anything about your discussions or workouts or whatever with WWE? Yeah, it was it was great working with them. Um, Dude, I, I got a chance to host the, the WrestleMania that was in New Orleans. Yeah. And um, Oh, WrestleMania that, 30. Yeah, that was one of the best experiences probably of my life. And I'm talking about football life. Wow. You know, because you know, who didn't grow up watching, you know, w, I don't know any anybody sure. that didn't watch WWE sure. at, at some point. Saturday morning. That's baby. it. Yep. E- either you were a, a diehard fan or you just watched it a little bit. But yeah. I, I don't know anybody that just didn't watch it at all. Yeah. Um, so to get up there, I, I got a chance to um, – to work with mankind and Shawn Michaels, um, God, man, it was that the, the whole. It was it was out. You know, um, did you ever have a squabble with CM Punk? I've heard rumors about that. Well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was true. Okay, that, what was what that was what true? Was the beef? Well, the beef was with CM. Um, I was in Costa Rica on a vacation for a week, and the WWE was there, um, and we were at the same hotel. Well, it was one of the. WWE Divas, who I knew already from San Diego. They were from San Diego. And I came up and talked to them at the pool. and say, oh, my God, I know you guys are out here, this and this, whatever. Um, and so that was the end of the conversation. She said, hit me up, you know, if, if uh, we got a show, but if you want to come, I'll send you tickets, whatever, let me know. And uh, next thing I know, I see on Twitter, CM Punk posts, like, oh, yeah, Sean Murray got dissed by uh, a diva. By oh, the no. And I'm like, I'm like, this is my, you know, it's my homegirl. This is a friend of mine. Like, and I just went at him. I mean, you know, you know, I, I went at him um, and said that he, you know, he had on a thong by the pool and he was, you know, painting his toenails and, and everything else. Uh, but, you know, we ended up meeting. And um, you know, I really, I, you know, personally, I, I liked him, you know, uh, when we met. We were on the MTV. We did an MTV. Okay. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Together. Uh, I thought for sure they were going to try to make a storyline out of that. And I was like, this is my first time I'm going to kick this dude's ass, right, <laughs> on, on national TV. But he turned out, man, really, really cool. But a great villain. 
He, he is, oh my gosh! I yeah. think I think I think CM Punk is uh, CM is probably one of the, the all-time great villains in 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 wrestling history. I agree. What he would do his thing is like put your hand up to the TV right now with me, and he was a and he had the pipe bomb too. Yes, just yes. Like that was the thing that sent him yes, into that star stratosphere. So we kind of spin from football, kind of some discussions about wrestling, and then you get into MMA, yeah. and you are still in MMA. What is happening there? As it sounds like Lights Out is bouncing back from. The pandemic, tough yeah. times for everyone. Can you kind of tell us pre-pandemic and then how you guys are coming back or have yeah. come back? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I own Lights Out Extreme Fighting MMA promotion. Uh, we're now on Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. Uh, if you don't have Fubo, get it. Uh, I got a lot of big stuff planned that's coming out, and we're going to announce it with Fubo. And y'all are doing uh, well in the ratings. We, we did. We did. We, uh, we had a fight on the 14th of January. We broke the record. We moved in the top eight, top nine all-time most yep. watched on Fubo TV, Fubo Sports. It was great for us because we're, like, behind international soccer. Yeah. And, wow. you know, that's a, that's a, a major deal. Um, but, you know, we got a big fight coming up here in, in, um, in, in L.A., April 8th, uh, working on that date right now. And I also plan to fight in, in, in Texas, in San Antonio. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm looking at San Antonio, looking at Dallas. Um, they got a couple of big venues. A lot of, a lot of MMA fighters, believe it or not, out of, out of Texas. Oh, for Will sure. Will you oh. fight on a raft on the Riverwalk in San Antonio? Don't get and me And somebody the, gets thrown in the water and now yeah. they – don't give me any ideas because I, I would I got do a it. lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would do it. <laughs> if, if, if the Texas Commission would let me do something like that, you, you best believe well, I'll do it. Well, we historically have a very lenient commission. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you've looked into that. We let some stuff go. But then you said maybe a couple weeks ago, I don't know if this was just a thing and people say things, but you said, hey, maybe I'll do a fight. Is that – are you really thinking about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, okay. always, I always said that. and. You know, right now I, I train because I like to stay in shape. Sure. Um, and so I'll go. Sometimes they'll have open mat on Fridays, sparring sessions. I'll go get three or four, you know, a couple rounds in. Yeah. Um, and this, it is fun for me because one thing you ask any former guy when they get done, they'll tell you that they miss the locker room, they miss being around the guys. Yeah. And there's, there, there's nothing to bring me more joy to hear these, you know, men and women just fighting, talk trash before they go. And some days they'll line, they'll line up and just put the gloves and mouthpiece in and like, hey, let's get a couple live rounds in. I'm like, wow. hold on, what's going on? Wow. Um, but I, I, I enjoy being around that because um, it, it really is, for me, the closest thing to an NFL locker room that, I, that I've been in. Well, if you guys want to check that out, or maybe for when you an, an announce some of those Texas dates, LightsOutXF.com, LightsOutXF.com, or, like you said, just download FUBU. Like, yep, let's yep. get it started. Big time. You have a Super Bowl prediction for us? I, I had to ask you one generic question. He's going to root no. against the Chiefs, right? Uh, see, but I'm not doing it because they were in the division. <laughs> Because look, I, I I love I love Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey. Two of my two of my favorite guys. Sure. Um, but they're playing the best team in football, and and that's really what it comes down to. And I know Patrick Mahomes pulled out miracles. I actually picked against them last week because I said there's no way in hell that with that ankle. Oh my gosh! That yeah. I've had that I've had that same exact injury, and I was in the boot for a week and a half. Not back out on the field. No, not back it, on the yeah. field. And, and I'm you know I've played through broken bones and dislocated shoulders, and it's just it's one of those injuries that. It's so hard to plant, change direction, to put weight on it. Yeah. And to see what he did at towards the end of that game and icing it, using his legs in that long run, I, people don't understand how, how much pain that he was in that period of time. And it, it just gets worse and worse because there's nothing they can give you. Cortisone, anti-inflammation. Right. There's nothing to give you because as long as the game goes, it wears off. So that into that third quarter, that fourth quarter, oh. that thing is gone. And I'm sure he woke Golly. up in the morning and his ankle was the size of a basketball. Bone. Yeah. I know we're almost out of time, but how tough is it as a defender chasing Patrick Mahomes right there, last seconds of the game to pull up and not push yeah. him last second? 
Uh, listen, it, it is tough. It is tough because you're, you're thinking to get him out of bounds. We yeah. need to, you know, do anything possible. And I feel bad for the linebacker that did it because, you know, I just saw his emotion during the game at the end of that game and then in the locker room. And, um, and one of his I, teammates called him out I, on the I way did, but it, he, yeah. was a, he, was, he was wrong, but he, um, he was emotional. And yeah. he was thinking what half this country was thinking we watched it. Like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. But I'll tell you in that split second, man, it's really hard to pull up. Yeah. That's a great question right there. Man, appreciate it very, very much. LightsOutXF.com. Thank you very much, Sean Merriman. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 Through the Fan. Coming up next, we jump into the lunch rush in the expressway. LeBron makes history. How plugged in, if at all, were you to the moment? We'll discuss next right here in the fan. Looking for James. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter. LeBron James, a shot in history. LeBron stands alone. The NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to LeBron James. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105.3 The Fan. We're going to talk about LeBron becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer last night. Were you plugged in, and if so, how... Did you watch the moment, or how excited were you for the moment? But in the meantime, we're going to have our model here show off. First, we're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. Ooh, would we the, call this the fleece? The hand of Tim Collins. Oh. The Monday night hoodie. Now, that for the Super Bowl dope, man. is going to set you back about $250 at the it. Super Bowl. Okay, Corey, what if I'll buy that one. I told you I could get a better deal for you? Now, we can briefly show the Eagles one because it looks cool, but the Eagles are stupid. Yeah. If you buy e it. Hey. No. Man. No. Sports. If you buy it on <laughs> NFLshop.com, you can get a discount of about $100 off of that if you go to NFLshop.com. Only the Eagles one? Com. No, for both of them. Oh, okay. I could see you did, you're like, I don't want that. Then you can get a discount on either one of them. And the hat is cheaper on NFLshop.com. If y'all are interested, go check it out. Now, how big of a deal was this for you? Because if you watch the national shows, this is the time to discuss if this moment makes LeBron better than Jordan, which I get. You got to fill some time and stuff. But was this a big deal for y'all? And did you know at the beginning of the game he was going to break the record because of all the yes. people that were there? When I saw what he was dressed in and then heard everybody he invited, I knew he's going to do this. And I'm watching Dirk. Dirk knew when he was going to do it, too. Like, Dirk had... Dirk was way past his prime, and I will say this. LeBron, my gosh, I just can't believe he's so good still at this age. Like, he's still a top ten player yeah. in the league. I think he's outside the top five, but he's still a top ten player. He's, I just knew when he invited all those people, he wasn't going to come up short unless somehow he got hurt. I did watch the moment. He was very efficient. I mean, it felt like every time he touched the ball in the first three quarters, the ball was going in the basket. So, it was a fun moment to watch. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. I, I understand his greatness. Uh, I, I think that he's a 50-50 guy in love or hate yeah, type of deal. I could see that. And and so, look, I, I, it was a big moment in NBA history. It was a very cool moment in NBA history. I wish, uh, I wish I'd have watched. I went to the media party, uh, and so I, they didn't have it on. Why did they not have it on? It was outdoors. Yeah, why didn't they Were have it? Were there TVs there? No, no. They, they well, they had those. 
big blow-up TVs, but believe it or not, they were showing football highlights yeah. on those. I mean, the that Super makes, Bowl party. What's going on with that? That makes sense to me, but this but, felt like a culturally relevant thing. I'll be so. honest. I haven't watched a video of it yet. But yeah, I've he seen, made it. I've seen, it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen lots of pictures, and that's like that's where I, I've gotten caught up in it is uh, looking at all these pictures and seeing, like Mike, I was saying, all the people with their phones taking the picture, people that weren't on the phones or whatever. And then I saw the Thomas Bryant moment where Thomas Bryant went down on the baseline and was like, I want the ball right now. And there was no way in hell LeBron was passing the ball to Thomas Bryant. But forever in the picture, yeah, in forever, there will be him asking, hey, give me the rock. And, and LeBron going, no, no, I'm good. Should have been a Mav, right? <laughs> that's who we wanted instead of JaVale Magoo. Yeah, that's right. But we got the Magoo. But the but I, I think like it's, it's, it is an awesome moment. It is really cool that, it, that he did that. I'm interested in how much further he can take it now. Uh, what what else like if he goes? Let's say he scores another sixty thousand points. Yeah, all right? I do think he's going to score five thousand more points. Okay, I can which see that. is just going to put the record somewhat very far, far away. Reach. That being because said, because Kareem set it seven thousand ahead when he broke it. Right, and now for I guess maybe it'll be reachable. I just like somebody like Luca who's averaging thirty points a game at a very young age. I don't think Luca's body even though he does walk the ball up and down the court. So it's not going to be like, oh, man, the game got so much faster. It's like he plays really slow already. Is I would just say that he's going to put it at a point. What? It's the crunching. You had to know that was going to bother him. What do you mean? You know how he feels about the crunch noise. Are we doing a Doritos commercial right now? You know what? As long as you're doing that, can I just ask for forgiveness real quick? Is I didn't realize this, but we were talking with Sean Merriman. I got, dang it, I got Fubo TV right the first time, but apparently I said Fubo TV the second time. I'm sorry. Can you tell the generation that I grew up in and was focused on? I apologize for that. It is Fubo TV. I got it right the first time, but then apparently the second time I definitely did not. My Since we're apologizing, uh, apologizing, Mike, I would like to apologize to you for biting. I didn't know my mic was on. I thought I had turned it off. I don't know. Maybe for that first chip. Those, <laughs> those subsequent chips, you knew what you were, you were and doing. And you were on a roll, right, too, Mike. I, luckily, I do like the Cool Ranch smell. This is uh, this is the, the Tangy Ranch is what okay. it is. So I've never had this before. So but I will say this. It was just a different time back then because he would probably still be 5,000 points away if back in the day – Kareem could have left, or, you know, at the time, Lou Alcindor, yeah. could have just gone from high school to the NBA. Or shot a three-pointer. But for four years, he yeah, played at UCLA. <laughs> Even if he wouldn't have been able to shoot a three-pointer, there's probably 8,000 points that Kareem doesn't have in the NBA because he had to play college basketball. Dead on, yeah, man. that is that is a really interesting point. I thought, I'm like a lot of people, I thought it was cool, even if, Sometimes he's not my favorite player. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was super cool and I'm glad I got to witness it and I felt like you were watching something historical. We're all witness. We're the, that's right. We're the KNC masterpiece right here on 1053 the fan. Right now, we bring on the man who won a Super Bowl with our very own Brian Broadus. 
It That's is right. Aaron Taylor. How are you today? Man, I'm good, and I'm, I'm glad to see we all got the memo to get the Brian Broaddus haircut. <laughs> see? I did not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my apologies. Yeah. That was punishment for one of our hosts who has a nice head of hair like that, is he had to shave it down uh-huh, and, and everything. And cul-de-sac and everything. I, I do notice a trend where if it can grow, it does. Everybody else shaves, and as I look at you two, that's probably. It, yeah, no, this was not a choice. I'm not going around being like, no. I shave my head out of choice. I shave my head out I am, of. I am glad though that most most wigs have gone out of style, right? Because when we were kids in the eighties, if this happened, you either did a super duper comb over where you had to grow your yeah, hair yeah, on, yeah, 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 or yeah. you threw on a wig. And, and the the toupee that flops around yeah, and yeah. the swirly swirl up top—that's a bad look. I, I really yeah. like how you guys have. Because they gone tell about you it. with the glue it'll be fine, but wouldn't you it's panic never, every time? Uh-uh. Like if you got in the pool, you'd ne- never, never. You're never getting in a pool. Anyway, so. <laughs> it's true. He I'm doesn't a... like to get be wet in the daytime in the sun. So it's it feels just... weird when the sun's like drying the water on whoa, whoa, your body. Whoa, whoa. We, I gotta, we gotta pull over here and have <laughs> yeah. this conversation. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready. Exactly. Then maybe we'll talk about the Super Ask Bowl later. Ask your questions, Aaron. Now. Brian Broaddus, I'm assuming you, you're you're familiar oh, with humidity and heat. I very much so. <laughs> okay, and you don't like no. to be in the humidity and heat or in the water during the daytime. I'm telling you, I would 100 <laughs> percent rather be outside in a long sleeve shirt when it's 100 degrees than be in the pool when the sun is out. It weirds me out. There, what? Let's. <clears throat> There I'm asking you people. to be vulnerable here. I want to get into some of the childhood wounding that clearly let's, has had to take let's place. Let's talk about it. Were, were, were you also, and I'm throwing myself in this boat, were you also the fat kid that wore the T-shirt in the pool because we didn't want to go shirtless? A hundred percent. Okay, okay. And so, that's not comfortable. That wearing the T-shirt is not I think I could look like The Rock and still <laughs> want to wear my shirt in the pool. It just makes me feel safe. And for clarity, underneath our ectomorphic body styles, we look like The Rock. Yeah. It's just covered up <laughs> yeah. with some extra layers of yeah. insulation. If I look like The Rock, I would be doing this, this show. interview show. in just underwear. <laughs> I would walk around looking like I'm ready to wrestle at any Hello. moment if I look like The Rock. So my kids play water polo, right? <laughs> okay. And, like, you want to talk about chiseled Greek gods out of marble. These kids in, that are teenagers like, my, I've never looked like that for a nanosecond in my life. And they're just walking around, and none of them wear shirts when they're all hanging out playing video games in that same exact cinema. My God. If I, I'd be walking in here butt naked yes. if I looked like that. <laughs> then like, you'd be forced right back yeah, out. Yeah, I think. There would yes. be some problems. Be a very <laughs> short-lived career. We have long held, Corey. Very, very much so. That this. water polo is the most physically demanding sport. Because people will tell you soccer. I'm like, no, look, no, no, no. you could just stop running. You'll probably get cut from the team, but you could stop running. You will die if you just stop swimming in water polo. Polo. It, it and, and there was part of me. So I, my son was 12, and he plays set, which is like a center trying to post up in front of the cage, right? So it's basically like legalized drowning. You're trying to drown and tire somebody out. So I was like, I just want to feel what that's like. So I got my old man snorkel and, and, and scuba mask on. I said, just get on my back, put all your weight on, and I'm going to try an egg beat or basically tread water to not go down. It took about three seconds before I was underwater. And I was fighting as hard as I could for about 12 to 15 seconds. And I'm not kidding you. When I got above the water, it was all I could to have enough strength to get to the edge to keep from going under and being able to breathe. It was the most tired I'd ever been in my life in like a 20-second window. And when I could finally catch my breath, I was like, 
is it always like this? He said, Dad, it's, it's that way every trip down the pool. It's like wrestling your oh brother in the deep end for 30 seconds, swimming as fast as you can to the other end, wrestling underwater in the deep end for 30 seconds there, and you just do that for four straight quarters. And that's when I, when I see that, I think I would be panicking. But you just pointed out. I mean, when I was a kid, I was wrestling my, my, my brother or my cousin in the in the pool. Like, we were doing that, and I wasn't panicking underwater. But here I am as an adult. I know if somebody pushes me under and holds me under, I'm going to start freaking out about it. But they do it all the time. Man, it's a big boy sport. I, hats off to those guys. There's an element of physicality that I think is really important for young men where, you know, you want to push against something that pushes back, and then you can knock it over. Football is really great for that. And I've been pleasantly surprised with that element of the sport that I think a lot of people underappreciate. Now, since we're talking about football, as we have been this entire interview, if anybody oh, asks. Oh, that's what we're doing? If, any, if, anybody, if anybody asks, is not that you don't always think about, hey, we want a Super Bowl, but when you come to the Super Bowl or are on Radio Row or whatever, do you think about more specific elements of like, oh, man, I remember this on the Wednesday leading up to the game, or, oh, I remember this. Like, how does that go through your mind? It, it's such a unique element and it's a show there's there's no other sure. way it, it's not about the game there's so much other stuff that goes on and that's why as a player in this game twice for me one I won one I lost it's navigating those distractions that's so important so we had two guys uh, on our roster at the time when we went to the Super Bowl 31 down in New Orleans against New England and that was Don Beebe who came in from the Bills oh, and yeah. Jim McMahon who of course was the quarterback of the 85 Bears So they got up in front and were like, fellas, you'll never, ever have gone through anything like you're going to see. You're going to be doing interviews with people in foreign languages where they translate. Entertainment Tonight's going to want to get sound. It's like it's a show, so you have to manage your family and your tickets. Make sure you take care of your wife in the first week. Make sure you take care of your girlfriend in the first week. If you have both, make sure you take care of them both (laughs) separately so that that doesn't become a distraction. (laughs) But there's just a lot to manage. So I think having some experience can be helpful, but I think that backfired us against us against Super Bowl 32 because I felt like we were too confident going into that Denver game because we had done and just gone through that experience the year before, and I think that ended up being a part of why we got beat. Broadus will tell us this is, were y'all relieved at all when the Cowboys lost? Like, that's, I'm saying he had told me in that Packers run that y'all, the first one, that y'all were relieved, or some people were relieved that the Cowboys had lost since they had been kind to of your, Carolina. Yeah, to been your playoff kryptonite. They, they had been, but I think the next year we beat them in, in Green Bay and ran for over 200 yards on them. They were a different team, and they weren't on the yeah. star. Um, so <laughs> I don't remember feeling that way. Okay. Um, but I, I'm sure looking back and historically as you lay that out, I'm sure there was probably like some, whoo, we, we don't have to prove that we're gotten over that hurdle. We match up better maybe with Carolina than we would da- the Dallas Cowboys. But th- that was, as a player, you don't get – crap who you playing against like Mm -hmm. it's just whoever's there you got to beat and it's all the same to you I think maybe on the individual matchup you're excited about who you're playing and maybe like whoo I don't have to see John Randall or (laughs) Warren Sapp you know and you get to see another player but I think team over team we could care less now we were talking about bodies and how good they can look and how bad they can look I believe Brian Broaddus has told us a story about Jim McMahon who I think is just over my shoulder he's here we're going to interview him later was there a point where he wasn't that excited about maybe going and doing weights and he came into the weight room 
maybe uh, just jockstrappy? That that was Jim McMahon in general. There was a lot of things that were unique about that young yeah. man. Um, there's so many stories that I'll tell you a commercial that just aren't fit for air. That it's a are family show. That's right. What's, what's the best on-air story you can tell us that you're like, okay, there's not – that i can a funny jim mcmahon story to keep everything loose i i don't there's none honestly okay. like right. they're they they involve marijuana okay they all involve, right yeah. uh, not saying such nice things to the team priest oh, um, oh, oh wow. yeah no. yeah there's there there was some jim was loose but like that's who he was and it was consistent it wasn't mean-spirited he just um he was who he was he, he was who he was and he had uh no f's to give as they say now, Aaron, Aaron Taylor joining us here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. You follow 41,000 people, and, you ha- and wow. I am one of those people. And one morning I woke up, and I was like, Aaron Taylor is following me. Why is Aaron Taylor following me? I'm, I was just a little curious that you have a lot of people that you follow. Was that a strategy on Twitter or something? I, I have a big man bearded fetish. Okay. I just want to be honest about that and nice. kind of saw through it, and there's 41 other thousand of you out there. Um, it there was a strategy, yeah, no. and it was a follow to get followed back. And I, I was reluctant to use Twitter. But I do so much in the offseason yeah. around mental health and, and player well-being that I found that that was a way to be able to get the messages out and the content that was positive on Twitter, which is a rarity, um, the most amplification. So people that want to build their followings and monetize it, I guess, reflect negatively mm-hmm. on that. But that wasn't my point. It was how can I get more amplification of the things that have helped me and have helped other people so that more people could be aware of that. So that's kind of how that all unfolded that's awesome and i really appreciate that because i follow i immediately followed back and was like i started checking out what you're doing and we we talk a lot uh, about mental, mental health, health on our show yeah. and Good. our audience is really big into those kind of discussions and and they're like man we don't get to hear that that often on these kinds of platforms yeah so, and it's tough man i've lost nine to completed suicide from my football circles right so I'm, I'm sick and tired of losing dudes unnecessarily and prematurely so i'm a guy that had to stop drinking 20 years ago brought us to tell you there wasn't a cocktail that i met that that i didn't like and maybe even some of yours Uh um turns out wild turkey is not a good way to kind of navigate retirement and figuring out what your second act of life is but it took me a while to figure that out like it does a lot of guys so i'm just i call it the spiritual fruitcake i'm just trying to freely share what's been freely given to me and i gotta tell you man i'm living a life now that i wouldn't trade for nothing now, was there ever a time – I've always been curious about this. Was there ever a time when do you just get sad when you lose those people or mad or all the emotions? There's sadness. It's loss. You know, you go through all of it. But that's one of the things that's challenging as an athlete. You know, we wear our game faces. But the yeah. game face isn't the only face. It's yeah. like there's real emotion that's going on underneath it. So it takes a while to kind of get into that. But I think guys are smarter now. What we saw with DeMar Hamlin and the trauma that came with that Hats off to the NFL. Hats off to the Buffalo Bills with the way that they responded to that. It's not just, you know, being mentally tough and being able to compartmentalize. That stuff gets stored, and we got to deal with it one way or another. And I think the more 
often you can deal with. It's like a, a muscle cramp. If, if you let it just get tighter and tighter and tighter, then all of a sudden you get restricted and there's mobility restrictions. But if you get in there and get some elbows in there and work through it, it lets itself go and then you're able to freely move. So I think emotionally we kind of operate the same way. And football, thankfully, is finally starting to adopt that. Kevin, real quick, real quick, you, you have the talking doctor. That's, that's what he calls. That's what he refers to as therapist yes. as. So you can use no that doubt. if you like in the future. No doubt. Well, you got the Kitman Labs shirt on. What what do I need to know? Where do I need to go? Well, KitmanLabs.com. Kitman Labs is a data science and analytics company oh, okay. that basically is revolutionizing the way that we are allowing players to become more healthy, to eliminate injuries, and peak performance. So what they do is they collect and aggregate the data that the teams are already collecting, but they're mining information and correlations that before we just didn't understand. So we all know that knowledge is power, but data-driven knowledge is predictive power. And when I went to Alabama, who's used Kitman Labs, they said that there was a ratio between vertical jump and broad jump. If you fell outside of that ratio as one of their players, you had a 40% greater chance of having an ACL injury than if you I've were in what they that. call yeah. the safe zone. Wow. So those players would get flagged. The team would then supplement exercises to get them back in the ratio, and then you're off and running with the rest of the players. So that sort of injury prevention and lessening means we're going to see a lot more 45-year-old Tom Brady's, a lot more LeBron James. Guys are going to be safer, more holistically, and perform better longer, and we're using machine learning to take the information that the teams have done an excellent job of collecting, putting it in one spot so they can make better and informed decisions to get the most out of their athletes. Man, that is a very informative answer. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time for sure. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Good news for you, Mike. Tell me. All content, no breaks, at least for this moment. So let's do a little Mike Likes It. Okay, so Mike Likes It. Now, I like the Dallas Zoo. Hopefully you guys like the Dallas Zoo. I, I knew like you were going to want to talk about this. Absolutely. Well, the two, and it's I very noteworthy. My computer, sorry if you don't see me on Twitch or whatever right now. My Zoom and all that crap is, is screwing up, which is par for the course with me and deal with it if you're uh, somebody who is like, you know, our guy Carter who's like, hey, you're Zoom. And I'm like, well, you know what? You can Zoom this. Oh, no, my gosh. I love Carter. But sounds like an off-air conversation. It's just like I'm trying. I'm, I'm not the computer. If you don't know, like I've, I've – Tried to pretend like I'm milk. Uh-huh. I, I'm trying to pretend like I'm a computer, but I'm not uh-huh. the computer. Uh-huh. Now, it looks like I'm going to actually get this up and going again, and I'm talking about Zoom. Mark that. Is uh, the zoo animals. So this guy, uh, if you haven't read the story, <laughs> I do like this, this guy story. steals two monkeys from the Dallas Zoo. Uh-huh. Well, how did he do it? He's like, well, it's pretty easy. Uh, after the zoo closed, I jump a fence. I have wire cutters. I cut the mesh uh, out of the uh, entrapment, the he turned his mic okay, off. Good. Okay, good. And Corey's so, eating chips again. If you are well, on the zoo, I can't zoo. wait to eat the mushroom thing that uh, Jay Cut or Jay Cutler, that Jake, Jake the, the Snake, snake Plumber yeah. brought to us, uh, and see what happens to me later today. Um, <laughs> but F so my life. So, I'm gonna go over and hang out with Kay Adams, get some tequila. The, the guy, the guy just cuts the mesh out of the monkey uh, cage. Yeah, and then takes the two monkeys. Puts him in a bag, gets on the dark bus. <laughs> That's the craziest part to me. Or the train, and then just goes home, which isn't far away yeah. from where he is at. And Would then, you notice if someone was on the train with you with monkeys in a bag? Yeah, but I'd probably be like, I guess this guy has pet monkeys. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be like, I bet he stole those from the yeah. zoo, you know? 
And so, anyways, Darren Woodson joining us. Hopefully, hopefully very soon, future Hall of Fame Darren Woodson. And, you know, Darren's a a man from the Metroplex, so he knows about the monkeys that were stolen from the Dallas Zoo. Yeah. And the guy just just goes home, and then he goes to the – here's how he gets caught. He goes Uh, to the Dallas Aquarium, and he starts talking to an employee because I don't know what reptiles he was trying to steal, but he starts thinking about, I'm going to steal some some reptiles from the the Dallas Aquarium. And the person who's talking to him, he goes – this is the person that they've put out the picture of and then calls out like, hey, I know this guy. I don't know him, but he's yeah. talking to me, and obviously he's trying to steal something. Is from that me. how he got caught? Yes. yes. He went to the Dallas <laughs> he Aquarium. He went back? No, he oh, went, he went to, to the, the aquarium. aquarium. For aquarium. more animal stealing or mammal stealing or fish stealing. Now, as you knew it would be, our first question for you, Darren Woodson, <laughs> is oh, God. if you saw oh. somebody with two monkeys in a bag on the dart rail, would you say something? Pretend not to see that person? What's the move? You know, I, I don't know exactly what I would say. I would think it'd be odd sure. for two monkeys. Sure. You know, I, but, hey, crazier things happen. Yeah. Dez ended up having a monkey. Remember? Right. Dez bought a monkey oh, back yes. then. So that it's not outside of the norm for someone to why they would why the hell they would yeah. buy a monkey. I have no idea. But, anyway, uh, I don't know what I was. I don't think I would say anything personally to that because if you got two monkeys, do you, you? Hey, yeah. you don't know what they're. You know what the hell do. is going to yeah. do? You know, a different what, life they can bring an anaconda out of the bag. They can bring you know yeah. whatever it is. Or out of their never mind. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> that was too far, Corey. Too far. You can't say that. Kevin. I didn't. That's why I stopped. I appreciate you for that. Can you tell it's kind us? Of, kind of felt like Darren led you to that point. Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. He I got in trap. I got in trap by that light. This is Mike likes it. We have the great Darren Woodson with us. Darren, as the Cowboys were making their run i decided to go back and watch a whole bunch of dallas versus san francisco Mm. playoff games Mm. and it led me down a little bit of a hole that i want to talk to you about i go and i watch the carolina panthers playoff game because i I wanted to go back and go i want to see kind of when it all started going downhill oh yeah for the dallas cowboys and their (laughs) dynasty and that Mm. was the game where the cowboys lose and from that point never really get back to Mm -hmm. where we thought the dallas cowboys were going to be can you take us to kind of that moment against Kerry collins who I will say during that game, gained confidence. He did not look very good to start mm-hmm. that game, but mm-hmm. as the game progressed, started finding ways to complete balls. Is Can you take us to 1996 and mm, the playoffs? Long time. And kind of it's you just. remember. It, no, it, the, no, try the, not to. The magic yeah. kind of goes away from that. Yeah, time. it does. But, you know, it started the year before 95. Look, I, I always say we, there were three Super Bowl cha- teams that I played on. The, the 95 team was by far the worst. I mean, we, we weren't even close to the 92 Y'all were better in 94? We were better in the 92-93 teams okay. than we were in that last Super Bowl. And it was just, you know, personnel was different. Mindset was different. And, you know, no, this is nothing on, on Barry Switzer and the coaching staff, but we weren't being held accountable like we were yeah. years past. Like, yeah. Jimmy, there was an energy in that room, and you mess up, you're out the door, right? Yeah. So it there was a different energy there in 95. And I thought the team, again, personnel wasn't the same. We were going in a different direction. And you could just feel like every game was going to be a close game in 95. Never had that feeling in that 95 season, even in the Super Bowl, where you're like, oh, we're going to put them away. Yeah. Like, we're going to put these guys away. Like, Emmitt's going to run the ball in the fourth quarter. We're gonna put, we didn't have that feeling. And then we get into the next year. We get into that year and lose that game against Carolina. That entire 96 season felt the same. We were up and down. We were not a good football team. I don't know how we won some of those games, and and they were all a lot of close games. But going into that game, we we didn't have home-built advantage. We're a wild-card team. 
on the road, and I'm telling you, the confidence level was not the same. Yeah, well, watching that, and I know you're a defensive guy. You're not on the offensive side, but the second play of the game for the offense, Michael Irvin, right. And then the rest of the game, you just see Troy Aikman's frustration, and I'm watching it through television, not being on the sideline and everything. Yeah. Is he's trying to get nothing against Billy Davis or Eric Bjornsson or yeah. stuff, but it seems like everybody's running routes that he's like, where are you going? Because yeah. he's screaming and throwing his hand like, you're supposed to be going <laughs> right. that way. <laughs> right. Right. And, and you're confusing the heck out of me on where I'm supposed to be throwing the ball because nobody's running the, the proper routes. Right, right. And that's the thing. Okay, so we started to see, you know, Players, like including myself as captains, we were policing the team. And you can't grow that way when the players are always having to police guys and Troy Aikman's having to talk yeah. to the players. You know, that's the coach's job. Yeah. And, and the players are to play, the coaches are to coach. And, and you saw it because Troy understood where Mike was going to be at all times. Mike goes down. Now you got guys that uh, – I'm not – and no offense to these guys, but, you know, they're not playing at that, that Pro Bowl level. They're, those are These are second and – third string guys that were that yeah. we were thrusting up to play that and our again our personnel was not the same yeah and, and as good as Troy was as good as Emmett was in that offensive line I mean at sometimes you got to have playmakers make plays you got to have the CD lambs absolutely stand up and make a play and we didn't have those guys on the back end of that how impressive was it in the AFC championship game that Patrick Mahomes is not only hurt but then he's down to his fourth fifth and sixth wide receiver yeah. now, he Amazing. still does have Kelsey but he's down to his backup 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 guys and he's still able to put up enough points to get to the that's why you i always felt like for the last three or four years that he's the best quarterback in the game right because he always finds a way to elevate his game and do something spectacular and he's gonna have to do that again this this week against philly because philly's pass rush is coming but he's always been that that guy he's got all the capabilities he can throw from different arm slots he knows where everyone is in that offense and he's basically the coach on the field so he is the superstar at the quarterback position. He is the one when you look at the, across the NFL, you say he's the difference maker. And he's not. And that's what we saw in that AFC championship game. Did they miss a beat? Hell no, because he is that dog. He is the guy that can get them there. And, and I think he's the only way, the only way they win this game is if he plays lights out. Because they don't match up well this game. Talking with Darren Woodson right here on 105 through the fan, as if you didn't already know that, is... Walk us through what tomorrow is going to look like for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're like we've been on this campaign for years. Have you been on this campaign? You know this. Look, we, every day, we, yeah. chance we get, we you guys keep people. on. Keep I was going to say we got alive. you to the finals, but I guess you, you got did, yourself you to the finals. Bit. You did a little so, bit of yeah. work. We'll give you credit. For look, that. I, I just uh, it, it's a dream come true to be you know be a finalist. It always has yeah. been, and, and I will forever be grateful to to be in this position. Um, but it's not so much for me. It's just, I, I guess when I look at this, the position we're in right now, it's just the recognition of, of some of the guys that I played with on the defense side of the ball that never got credit. Yeah. Like we never, they never, we've never been represented in a way that people recognize that 92, 93, 94, 95 Cowboys defense. And Charles Haley went in, but Charles Haley came from the San Francisco 49ers and then came over to Dallas, right? Yeah. Like, Deion Sanders, the same thing. He went to two multiple teams. That defense was the number one defense. Hell, we had nine turnovers in the first, in 92, in the Super Bowl victory, right? <laughs> I mean, and then, you know, it's just like that defense was special. And that's what I feel like I represent. I represent the Tony Tolberts, the Ken Nortons, the James Washingtons, the Thomas Everett's. 
I mean, Larry Brown, so many guys, Kevin Smith, so many guys that just never got that attention because we were always the three amigos uh, heavy, yeah. right? <laughs> it was Troy, Emmett, and Mike. We and, feel the same way with the thought, offensive Damn. line. And, yeah. yeah, and sometimes you're like, did they play defense too? Yeah. Like they played <laughs> offense and defense because we didn't play defense evidently back in those days. So that's what I'm representing, man. I'm representing those guys. Uh, and going in, and uh, I just saw Kenny Gant walk through a minute the ago. Shark. Oh my God, we had him on the other dude. day. He was so awesome. Oh, man. It was yeah. so great to talk to him. My guys, man, we we were winning championships back then. So that's I the, forgot that's how the, much he played on defense. because oh, I thought special. of him as just the special teams guy. Oh, and when you go good. back and you watch the 49ers yeah. games, you're like, oh wow, he was in the slot a yeah. lot of times. Oh, absolutely, man. When I first came in, uh, my first year, they didn't let me start, so they put me as a nickel guy. Well, Kenny Gant was such a damn good cover guy. He covered the slot. I covered the tight end on the backside. And then the following year, I came in and started playing more against the slot uh, receiver. And in my entire career, I've always covered the slot receiver. But Gant was one of those guys that taught me how, you know, where my leverage was, where my help was. And, and I was a big guy. I was 226 covering, uh, you know, a 5'10", 5'9", uh, Wes Welker type of guy in the yeah. slot, man. So, you know, he always – Mentally, he got me prepared for those moments. All right, real quick, we got a little bit of time here. You, the defense aligns up where you have to. You're in the slot now with CD in front of you. How do you how do you play against CD? Yeah, man, it's it's a tough matchup. I mean, look, everyone at the slot position altogether. There's so much. There's so much land, right? I always say, damn, dude, you're you're kind of you got two right, ways. Yeah. You can go across the field. There's so many ways. You always got to know where your help is. And if I'm playing against CD Lamb. It's the same thing. I'm going to try to press him. I'm going to try to get my hands on him because I'm a big. I was a big guy. Try to get my hands on him, disrupt him. But damn, it, I'm going to look for my help. <laughs> if I got a guy in the middle of the field, I'm going to force him that way, right? But you know, that's just how it is. You, you're not going to win those battles. And I'll say it: this back then we saw really good receivers. These receivers today are on a different, different. level. They're they're on a different level. They're all Jerry Rice's. You know, yeah. every week you you show up. There's someone on that team, the CD Lambs or Whoever it may be, Brown with the with the Chase, Eagles, Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, there's so many guys now that, that that play at that level. It's just hard to to physically match up on a down to down play. Well, we appreciate you yes, popping on always, with us, and obviously, man. what a Mike likes it. All of the <laughs> hope and prayers and yeah, everything man, for tomorrow. It. We're everyone in the Metroplex is rooting. For oh, you, I appreciate man. it. I there appreciate you go. It. Thanks, guys. Darren Woodson. We're the KNC masterpiece right here on 105 through the fan. Coming up next, let's combo it up with former NFL All Pro Kyle Turley and Super Bowl winning quarterback Jim McMahon. We'll do it next right here on the fan.